or far from home is for the better. What we dream, it's all that matters. We're on our way, united. Turn the crowd up now, we'll never back down. Shoot down a skyline, watch it on prime time. Turn up the love now, listen up now. Turn up the love. Who's gonna say? Chapter 13. I only saw them from the point of view of the victims, Eric said. I can use my holographic systems to recreate what I saw, but there may be a way to get even more information. Yes, Guide said, picking up on it right away. Yes, of course! You could purchase Howler memories! He walked over to the wall and touched a panel. The panel opened, a shelf popped out, an array of buttons and colored touchpads. I can load memories directly into your android friend here, but they will be expensive. You're not getting any more of my hair, Rachel warned. Not a kidney or an arm either. Guide whined from the diaphragm in his chest. It may have been a laugh of some kind. I will pay for you to view the Howler memories in exchange for harvesting your own memories. I sucked in a breath. What is this memory selling? Does it mean we lose our memories? Guide looked perplexed. Of course not. Why would it? We simply make a copy. They Xerox our memories? Can't do it, Tobias said. Those memories could end up reaching the Yurks. He was right. Maybe. Axe? No answer. Axe was swaying slightly, back and forth. His tail was low, curved forward. He was way deep in private thoughts. Axe, I said louder. Axe, we need you. He looked up, startled. Yes, Prince Jake. I didn't tell him not to call me Prince. This wasn't going to be handled with a little joshing. The Andalites are an essentially peaceful race, but with a long warrior tradition, too. Axe was an Arth, a military cadet, and he'd spent his entire life in the shadow of his brother, Alfangor, who was considered a great war hero. How far are we from the closest York outpost? I asked him. I... I don't know where we are. I don't have a star chart. Guide touched a wall panel. A small, flat screen appeared. Muttering and whining to himself, Guide called up a star chart. It was meaningless to me, of course. Alex looked at it with no visible interest. He touched the screen, pulling the perspective back, widening the view. 
he did this twice more, till even I could recognize the spiral arms of our own Milky Way galaxy. We are more than 500 million light years from Earth, Ox said. Before the Yurks could spread a tenth of this distance, they would have swallowed not only Earth, but my planet as well. I nodded. Thanks. Okay then. It's a deal, guide. But if I understand what you've told me, our memories would make you very, very rich. So this is it. If we live, you get to copy our memories. And you don't ask us for anything else. And you advance us whatever we need. I thought Guy was going to fall over. I had the feeling we'd just turned him into the Bill Gates of the Escort. I will transfer all archived Howler memories to the android. The android has a name. Eric, Rachel snapped. He can call himself the Grand Guildmaster as far as I'm concerned, Guide said happily. Guide tapped into the panel. Then he called Eric over. He pointed to a slot like a keyhole. Can you interface? Eric dropped his hologram, revealing his true android body. From one steel finger, a prong telescoped out and pressed into the keyhole. The steel finger changed shape to conform to the keyhole shape. Eric's almost canine face was blank. Then, his eyes flew open and he pulled back. It was impossible to read emotion on the android face, but I could guess. He had just absorbed the memories of creatures who had wiped out his creators, the Pemelites, and made interstellar fugitives of the Chi. How are you doing, Eric? Cassie asked. I have absorbed the available Howler memories. They are not... not pleasant viewing. Can you show us? Yes. He hesitated. Memories of the attack on my creators is included. I would not like to show you that. I would not like to have to... He fell silent, embarrassed. Cassie put a hand on his steel and ivory arm. Then don't. Show us what you can. Show us what we need to know. Eric nodded. The planet I'll show you has no name. The people call themselves Graffin's Children. What I will show you happened approximately 20 Earth years ago. The bare room disappeared as Eric's hologram filled the room with a forest in shades of purple, blue-green, and mustard yellow. We saw enormous leaves, as big as bedsheets. Vines wound along the ground, dipped in and out of the dark soil, then shot up to form strange trees. Birds in long random shapes, like pink feather boas, swooped and wove through the leaves and branches. Below them, orange and yellow centipedes crept along. Bristly combs rose from their backs, making them look like a comic cross between worms and stegosauruses. Animals like two-headed prairie dogs popped up out of subterranean layers, spit out mouthfuls of dirt, and disappeared again. It was a rainforest, but someone else's, with wonders no more magical than those of Earth but wonders just the same. Through the forest came a column of creatures that made me laugh. Gumby, I said. They looked like Gumby. Not green, but dark blue. And not smooth, but as rough textured as an old tree. But still, they moved with the jerky grace of Gumby, 
walking on two legs, eyes raised to the treetops above them. I saw a hand move into view, and I jerked in surprise. A howler's hand. I was seeing this forest, these plants and animals, and Graffin's children, through howler eyes. The howler was lying in wait, hidden from view. Then, the nearest of Graffin's children spotted him. His eyes went wide. A smile twisted his strange mouth. He extended a hand toward the howler, welcoming, curious. The column of Graffin's children walked toward the howler like so many toddlers, like kids who wanted to pet a dog or something. The howler moved, a blur of speed. Other howlers came into view. They howled. To us, the sound was softened by Eric's filtering. But it hit the Graffin's children full force. They began to blow apart. They stood there, helpless, confused, not knowing why anyone would hurt them. And they simply... Eric, stop it! I snapped. The hologram disappeared as quickly as a TV picture that had been turned off. I shouldn't have let you do this, Eric. Can you erase this stuff from your memory? No, Jake. I'm sorry, I said. How much more did you absorb? Eric powered up his human hologram. His face was human again. Now I could see the emotions Eric was feeling. I have memories of 17 Howler attacks. All successful. They have never been defeated. They have attacked highly advanced civilizations and simple people like Graffin's children. They have never taken a prisoner. They simply kill and kill and kill until there is no one left to kill. Then they go and find something else to kill. That's insane! Cursey yelled. No species does that. It doesn't make sense. There's no logic to it. You're not talking about predators who kill to eat, or prey animals who kill in self-defense. Even humans have reasons, no matter how sick. Even humans have limits. Why would evolution result in a species that kills for no reason? It wouldn't. It didn't, Eric said. The howlers didn't evolve. They were created. Cryok? He nodded. Graffin's children and dozens of species were annihilated by Cryak's children. Chapter 14 We slept in shifts, two of us on guard at all times. A futile gesture. If the Howlers found us, we would die. Guide assured us we were safe. Apartments were built strong enough to resist the often rambunctious Warmaker escort. And with our bargain to give him our memories, I felt like he had an interest in keeping us alive. But so far, the escort generally didn't impress me. I was sure that others, with less at stake, would sell us out. It was a long night. It was a very long night. Maybe some of us slept. I didn't. I didn't want to dream. I tried to make sense of it all. Tried to figure out what the Elemis thought he was doing. How he expected us to win a fight, we had no hope of winning. But nothing made sense. Whatever game the Elemis was playing was over our heads. I felt like an ant wandering around a chessboard, trying to figure out the rules, when all I could see was colossal figures moving around me in inexplicable patterns. All we had learned was that the Howlers were violent beyond belief. 
destructive, that they were, in fact, designed and built to be pure evil. What's it like to be one of them? Cassie whispered in the darkness. She was close by, obviously not sleeping either. Who, an escort? No, a howler. They know they were created by Kryak. They're bright enough to fly spacecraft, so they can't be entirely without minds. What do they think of themselves? I didn't really care, but Cassie's voice was a comforting distraction. I don't know. I guess they're happy being what they are. Aren't most species happy being themselves? Long silence as she considered that. Maybe I would have believed that back in the old days. But, you know, I've been a termite. An ant. Mindless creatures of instinct. They weren't happy. Not unhappy, either. They just do what they're programmed to do. And they don't have minds, really. So what else can they do? But howlers must have minds. Just because a person or whatever is intelligent, that doesn't mean they can't be brutal and rotten and evil. I mean, there must have been some smart Nazis and some smart slave owners. Yeah, but the howlers aren't just individuals. We're talking about an entire species, an entire race, being evil. That isn't possible. We know that. Even the yurks aren't all one way. And maybe the howlers are. All one way, I mean. Maybe you just have a race that is pure evil. Can't be, Cassie said confidently. Why not? Because that's what Nazis and slave owners and people like that believed. That you can just take a whole race or whatever and say, they're all like this or all that. That's never going to be true. Maybe, I said, not wanting to stomp on her idealism. Maybe so. But what are the odds that these seven howlers, handpicked by Kryak, are going to be all soft and cuddly? She fell silent. So, I guess I'd stomped on her idealism anyway. At some level, I thought, good, we don't need a bunch of happy talk when we're up against howlers. But at another level, I was just mad at the world, and confused, and scared. I started to say, Cassie, when something hit the door with the impact of a small comet. Wham! We were up and awake in a billionth of a second. Wham! The door held, amazingly. Guide started to whine. See? I told you! A red circle appeared in the door and began to smoke and burn. It's them! I yelled. Howlers! I felt like I was choking on my own heart. Like it was beating so hard, so fast, that it filled me up, leaving no room for any but small, gasping breaths. We were going to die. I heard moans of terror. Some were coming from me. Just these subhuman, animal moans of fear. Morph! I yelled, choking out the word. They're going to kill us! Morco cried. In the glow of the dracon beam, I saw Axe walking steadily toward the door. Rough, shaggy hair was sprouting from Rachel's face. No! I blurted. Realizing the mistake, not combat morphs, go small, flies. I tried to focus my jangled, shattered glass brain on the image of a fly. It was the only way out, not to fight, 
but to run. I will attempt to slow them down, Axe said calmly. No, Axe, morph! We have to get out of here, Rachel yelled at him. I ran once, Axe said. Not again. Not the time, Axe man, Tobias said. I am an Andalite warrior, he said harshly. The beam suddenly burned through into the room and hit the far wall. Eric ran to the hole in the door as a howler stuck his head through, eyes greedy. Eric's hologram was gone. He was now a Chi. Chi! The howler said in surprise. Eric took one steel hand and calmly rammed his fingers into the metal of the door. They went through like he was sticking his hand into a loaf of bread. He did the same with the other hand, curling his fingers and gripping the handholds he had created. He blocked the entrance with his body. The howler sneered and shoved at him. Eric did not move by so much as an atom's width. The howler backed up and leveled his flechette gun at Eric's metallic face. He fired. Flechettes ricocheted around the room, but Eric was unharmed. Jake, this will not last, Eric warned me. We were all morphing at top speed. All but Axe. I already had huge, bulging fly eyes and six legs. Axe, do it! Morph, right now! No, I can't run again! Axamili Escarth Isfil, you call me Prince and you act like you mean it, and I am giving you a direct order. Morph, do it now! Chapter 15 Now the Howlers tried their ultimate weapon. The howl was ear-slitting. The walls around Eric began to shiver and crack. Guide fell to the ground, rolling in agony. Axe's eyes were bleeding, even in mid-morph. But the rest of us were more fly than human, and the waves of vibration from the howlers did not cause us pain. Not pain, just an overwhelming instinct to fly. Vibration could be sound, or it could be movement. The fly brains felt the howl as sudden, massive, threatening movements from every direction at once. Still seven or eight pounds, with a twisting, morphing human mouth, I was beating my growing wings frantically, cooking in panic, trying to fly. Fight me, Chi! The howler taunted when he realized his howl would not shake Eric's grip. I was shocked to recognize the language. He was speaking English. Craig must have programmed it into this bunch of howlers. Programmed them to understand our language and to be able to taunt and question us, if necessary. Eric ignored him. The howlers began to fire dracon beams. Not at Eric. They must have known from their collective memory that she cannot be easily destroyed by beam weapons. Instead, they were using the dracon beams to slice around Eric's handholds. We had all morphed. All panicked, but all morphed. Except Axe, who was still partly Andalite. And Guide, who was sitting in a corner now, gazing rapidly at the madness, creating valuable memories for later sale. Suddenly, Eric's handhold was gone, burned away. The Howlers pushed past him, contemptuous. They knew he could not fight. But they found nothing. Nothing that looked like the creatures one of them had fought on the stairs. Nothing except a weak, defenseless axe 
still morphing, a hideously misshapen, melting, twisting monstrosity. The howlers piled into the room. With my compound eyes, they seemed to be made of glowing purple and blue, with pulsating black veins. The facets of my funhouse mirror eyes broke them into pieces. They were everywhere around me as I flew unnoticed. Targets! One howler asked another. This second howler was slightly larger and carrying even more weapons. Yes! Kill it! The leader bellowed in rage. Seven flechette guns rose and took aim at Axe. He had no chance. None. Eric leapt to put himself between the guns and Axe, but the howlers calmly blocked his path, and Eric's programming would not allow him to shove them aside. In a split second, Axe would be annihilated. Cryak is a huge, walking, talking pimple, a thought-speak voice said. Marco! The howler's head snapped around, left, right, their bodies swiveling as they searched for the one who taunted them. They aimed at Guide, who was crawling out through the hole they burned. Not me! Not me! I'm just an escort trader! And, by the way, I'd love to buy your memories of all this. And howlers are the cowards of the galaxy. Brainless, ugly, bad-smelling, sniveling, gutless worms, Morco added. Forget it, the leader ordered. Voices are meaningless. I zipped through the air, flying in the wild, wobbly flyway. I aimed for the face of the howler leader. I landed just beneath his left eye. Not just a voice, you walking dirtball. I'm right here. You think you're tough? Try killing me. The hand snapped up with shocking speed. I felt it coming, felt the disturbances in the air, and I responded with the right now speed of the fly. Alien fingers slapped toward me. I fired my wings. The howler was so fast, his fingers missed me by millimeters. How are you going to kill us? Morco taunted. Better go back to Cryak and explain that you failed. Forget them! Kill that! Too late, Ux said. Ux had made the transition to fly. Okay, stay airborne. No one land. No one sit down, I said. I was beginning to feel just the smallest bit of optimism. Even relief. The howlers were mystified. The android! The howler leader roared. I looked. I could see Eric, or at least a shimmering, distorted version of him. But the howlers no longer could. Eric had created a hologram of one of the walls. He was standing calmly behind it, out of sight, though not out of reach. Let's bail before these guys start thinking of ways to spot flies, Cassie suggested. You got that right, Marco agreed. Out the door, I said. But stay close. We zipped, unnoticed, through the burned-out doorway. Not a victory. All we had managed to do was run away. But we were all still alive. And that was more than I would have thought possible. Too bad just staying alive was not an option. We had to win. We had to destroy seven creatures, any one of whom could fight all of us to a draw.
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, I don't have too much this week, but I do have a message um, on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, but it is from longtime listener uh, Willis the Arts, um, writing in from a new medium this time on Tumblr, and says, uh, Has anyone asked the incredibly basic question of, if you were an Animorph, what your Battlemorph would be? If you had reasonable access to the animals they do, if you've answered this, which one of the Andalite bandits are you? No more wizard houses. We all have to pick an Animorph to kin. Pretty good. Um, I think someone maybe has asked me uh, the Battlemorph question ages ago. I can't quite remember. Uh, I don't have a great memory, to be honest. Uh, so I'll just answer it again. And uh, I think I would probably go with, um, if available to me, one of the big cats, because... Uh, I like cats generally. Uh, cats are very efficient apex predators of all sizes. Um, but to pick specifically, I think a jaguar is uh, is probably the move for me if it's available. Because we're talking about uh, a cat that has all the benefits of being a cat. You know, all the, the agility and the sneakiness. And the senses and all of that, the hunting ability. But we're also talking about an animal with the jaw strength to crush its prey's skulls um, with its bite. As well as uh, being a very good tree climber. So I've got a little bit of extra utility there, as well as an extremely powerful animal uh, at my disposal. I think that would be my battle morph if I had to pick just one. Uh, I think it's pretty pretty good. (laughs) Um, As far as... Which of the Andalite bandits am I? So, like, which character do I most identify with? Um, probably Marco. I think it has to be Marco. Um, he's, he's short, like me. Uh, he, he uses, he's, he's always got a quip. He, he uses humor to, uh, cope with a lot of situations. I, I relate a lot to Marco. He can be kind of a smarmy, a little jerk sometimes, and I think I can do that as well when um, when I'm not careful. Um, so yeah, I I think I think it would probably be Marco mostly. Um, you know, ooh, loud car outside, huh? Love that. I think I got a little Tobias in me. I think we all have had times where we feel um, very isolated, you know, um, on our own, feel feel like a bit of a loner. And uh, kind of related to that, you know, maybe a little bit of axe in me, in in just the sense of like, uh, the sense of uh, isolation. Axe experiences is not unlike what it is to grow up uh, Asian American in the Midwest. There, there were other Asian kids at my school, and I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic about it, but you know, uh, you you do sort of feel like you're on an island sometimes. <laughs> So that's my answer. I'm, you know, probably like 80-85% Marco, and then we can split the other 15% between Axe and Tobias, depending on my mood and day. Uh, Thank you for writing in, Willis. Uh, Great questions. I really appreciated that. Uh, If you would also like to write in, you can do that through Tumblr like Willis did here. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com again. Uh, see, I got ahead of myself there. I got all tripped up. Uh, you can also do it through Gmail. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. 
and uh, through my website. That's theapocalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Lastly, you can reach me on Twitter. That's at Audiomorphs, and that's where you should check if I'm ever late with an episode. Uh, I also want to mention uh, someone reached out to me last week about an episode missing off of Spotify. And um, I I just got to tell you all right now, I don't really have control on what Spotify allows. Uh, and case in point, I did open up a support ticket regarding this one. And the automated message I received uh, was, Hey dog, we think maybe there's something in there that violates our terms of service. So we've removed that episode. And they're correct. Uh, whether that's the music or the actual content, uh, something in there is violating someone's copyright. So hard to uh, hard to get mad about it. Um, so I'm very sorry. Um, let me uh, let me pull up that email and, and tell you which episode it was. Um, you're just gonna have to go on a different sort of podcatcher and and listen to that one if if you want it. Uh, and that goes for I guess any other time you notice an episode missing from Spotify, it's probably because Spotify delisted it. Um, let me see. Uh, 161 is the one that is currently no longer listed on Spotify. Um, and so thank you to uh, the person who sent that email to me to let me know. And uh, I apologize to uh, a lot of you because a lot of you do listen on Spotify. It's actually a almost distressingly large amount of um, where people listen to podcasts now, which is just me being kind of cagey about um, technological, um, not like monopolies in the sense that they're your only option, but it it is designed in a way that it sort of does funnel you into using it, you know? Because um, I think when that happens... Strap in, kids. We're about to go on a little bit of a a little bit of a journey. I think um, when when this happens, and we've seen it, I think um, very prominently in social media it, is that, um, and and also things like Google and Amazon. You start out with a service that works and it works well, and it draws in a bunch of people. And once a bunch of people are using it, and as a result, a lot of its competitors have sort of died out because it can't sustain itself um, because all, all of these people have been drawn into this um, better product. Uh, the product begins to change, doesn't it? Because as the adage goes, if something's free, then you are what's being sold. And so you saw this with Facebook. You saw this with Instagram after Facebook bought it. You saw it. Um, I mean, I guess you're seeing it right now very poorly to execute it, but you're seeing it right now with Twitter is that um, – once they have you, they can start changing the formula, and it's no longer there to benefit you, right? It's there to benefit advertisers, and it's there to benefit, um, yeah, I mean, mostly advertisers. Ways ways to make the company money, right? Uh, you see Amazon um, that, that sold products um, at a loss in order to cut out, to, to cut down competitors. And then once all of us are on Amazon, right? Now it's much harder to find things that aren't sponsored posts on Amazon when you search for it, right? Um, a lot of it redirects you to people who have paid to have their things come at top. And then at, at the same time, uh, those marketplace sellers are getting screwed by Amazon. It's going both ways. Because um, they're getting all sorts of fees getting gouged out of them. They're getting their items um, pushed down the algorithm unless they pay for it to be brought up as an ad, right? 
Um, and so it, it really is, you end up with a site that really just benefits the site itself and no one else. And, you know, I'm just saying I've noticed some changes to the Spotify algorithm uh, when it comes to recommending me new music. It doesn't seem to be as versatile and um, as spot on as it used to be. So, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, no judgments here if you use Spotify to listen to this. I'm just happy you're listening. Um, and sorry, but I can't control. <laughs> I can't control what's on there. Um, it, if you need to find those episodes, download a third-party uh, podcatcher. Listen to it on Podbean. Actually, I don't recommend listening to on Podbean. I don't like Podbean's app. I think it's really poorly made. <laughs> but a third-party pod, uh, podcatcher of your choice. I use Podcast Addict. Um, works great. You'll be able to find my RSS feed. Uh, no problem. I think, um, and it should all be, it should all be groovy. Um, so that's, that's my five minutes on the state of web 3.0 or whatever we're doing. Um, thank you all for listening. I'm going to stop taking up, um, more of your time and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel and I believe one day the Andalites will come until then we fight. <laughs>